Well, good evening. Welcome to the Highway community. As Seth mentioned, my name is John Riemenschneider. I'm on staff at Highway, typically at our Mountain View campus, but it is uh, a real privilege to be here tonight at, uh, at Highway San Jose. I'm really glad that you've joined us as we gather together tonight to worship. Well, believe it or not, another Christmas has come and gone. And I don't know about you, but for me, the passing of Christmas always comes with some measure of relief. Because Christmas never ceases to be one of the busiest times of year. And it's busy in this comprehensive kind of a way. Now, for many of us, the end of the calendar year is a demanding time at work for various reasons. Uh, for students, students are finishing classes, which means that papers and, and projects are due, in addition to preparing for and taking final exams. Christmas is a busy time for us socially. There's usually an increase inactivity with families and friends, and, and lots of parties and, and get-togethers and gift exchanges. There are church community events to celebrate the spiritual significance of the season. And then, of course, there's all of the shopping and the wrapping and the cooking and the baking that comes with the season as well. It's almost impossible not to feel the intensity of Christmas. And so there's a certain sense of relief that comes simply with making it through all of that. A sense of relief that comes with surviving another year. But then, there's New Year's, which means that it's time to look ahead. And whether we're into New Year's resolutions or not, the turn of the year always compels us somehow to be thinking about what we're going to do in the coming year, what we want to accomplish, how we're going to improve, uh, what things we, we didn't do last year that we're going to try to do this year. You know, for me, this fall was the first time in more than 10 years that I haven't coached a soccer team. Uh, and while that was really great for my schedule, it also meant that I lost my exercise routine uh, because I used to participate in the fitness with my team when we were out there at practice. Right, so that's one thing that, that I need to do in 2016. I need to find a way to get some exercise with, without being on the soccer field three days a week or else things are not going to be looking too good for me by the end of the year. And so no sooner do we say goodbye to the busyness of Christmas than we say hello to the busyness of the new year. And that, I think, very much epitomizes our culture. It underscores the reality that we are living in a culture of busyness. And to illustrate that even further, we're going to take a look at a clip from a short documentary film entitled Human Kinda, uh, where Sam Richardson takes to the streets to explore our culture of busyness. Take a look with me. Our nation is facing a problem. It affects every single one of us. Every man, child, woman, Woman, child. People don't have time to do anything. They go from here to there to there to here. Some people have two cell phones. Kids have karate practice. Everyone is so busy. Why? Are we losing our humanity? Is humankind becoming human kinda? Well, that's good. Write, write that down, actually. I wanted to find some answers. And I think I might have. Hi, I'm Sam Richardson. Actor, comedian, collector of clocks. I went from L.A. to New York to D.C. to Florida to Miami, which is in Florida. Then I took a personal trip to Seattle. It was nice. I've talked to swamis and ducks, even an elephant. By the end of this documentary, I hope to answer the question, 
why are we so busy? Or as my elephant friend said, Friff. Follow me into this adventure. First, I hit the streets to investigate this busyness problem up close. It's perfect. Excuse me, ma'am, are you busy? I, I can't. You can't, you can't because she's so busy. Man, would you say that you're busy? I'm on the phone. Oh, I'm busy, yeah. Are you into a client right now? Yes. In the fourth grade, there's a lot of, a lot of work to do. What does your job in, include on the, on the day-to-day? Just slicing bread for bags. I'm so lucky that I'm on the news right now. I just <laughs> well, this isn't, this isn't, I'm going to be fair, this isn't the news. Oh, man. People were too busy to talk to me, so I decided to sweeten the deal. So if you could go to Puerto Rico right now, would you go? What's the catch? The catch is you have to go right now. That's the catch. Six months ago, it would have been probably different. Kind of seems crazy to drop everything and run. Puerto Rico, free trip. Doesn't that sound like a relief, just to get to drop everything and leave? Just like drop it and go? Yeah, why not? Life is too short. Life is too short. That's very true. I can, but I would. So are you not really that busy? Just say yes! Yes. yes. After a day's work, I had only saved one person from his busyness. And it was really hard to convince him it was okay. Have fun trip. I realized my scope was too broad. I wanted to speak to an expert about this problem. So I met with Christine Carter, a sociologist who studies happiness and well-being. This is the American mantra. How are you? I'm so busy. It's like a compulsion, right? right? So it's like, check your email, check your email, check your Facebook feed, you know, check your phone, check your phone, check your phone. Right. And this is really, really exhausting for the brain. The brain is not a smartphone. It can't run multiple apps at any one time. Well, as we saw there, it doesn't take Sam Richardson very long to discover that everyone is so busy they don't even have time to talk to him on the streets, uh, let alone uh, take advantage of a spontaneous, all-expense-paid trip to Puerto Rico. Right? And the difficulty that he had finding somebody to do that says a lot, I think, about our culture. Right? Even the fourth grader that he talked to is inundated with stuff to do. And I think that the sociologist that was interviewed there at the end of the clip really hit the nail on the head when she said, the American mantra is to answer the question, how are you, with I'm so busy. The American mantra is to answer the question, how are you, with I'm so busy. And I know how that's how I respond, actually, more often than not. But busy is, is, is just what comes out instinctively. I say that almost without even thinking. And that reflects, I think, the reality that busyness has, has very much become for us the new normal. That busyness has become the new normal. And Jesus, believe it or not, can actually relate to that. Jesus can actually relate to that. Mark's gospel, Mark's story of Jesus' life, interestingly enough, presents Jesus as being constantly busy. And we see it right from the beginning. Now, unlike the gospels of Matthew and Luke, which start off with narratives of Jesus' birth, and unlike John's gospel, which begins with a theological discourse, Mark's story of Jesus' life starts with Jesus' public ministry. We're dropped right into the action. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He endures the temptation in the wilderness. And then we see Jesus proclaiming the good news of God in Galilee, calling his first disciples and casting out an impure spirit in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And that is all just in the first 28 verses of chapter one. And then after all of that, 
Verse 29 of Mark 1 says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, the word that Mark uses there at the beginning of that verse that's translated as, as soon as, is a word that he uses 42 different times throughout the course of his gospel. And in addition to being translated as, as soon as, it's also translated as immediately, at once, right away. And it gives Mark's narrative this incredible sense of pace that Jesus is going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so Jesus goes immediately from the synagogue to Simon and Andrew's house. And verse 30 says that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them, probably serving them the evening meal. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so we see that after Jesus performs his first couple of healings, the word about him begins to spread very quickly. People began bringing all the sick and all the demon-possessed to Jesus. And so much so that Mark tells us that the whole town gathered at the door of Simon and Andrew's home. And so people are literally lined up to see Jesus, and there's no end in sight. And verse 34 says that Jesus healed many, and he drove out many demons. But then, look at what Jesus does next. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And so right in the midst of all of the busyness, right in the midst of the continuous and persistent and strenuous demands of ministry, we see that Jesus consciously and deliberately steps away. He consciously and deliberately steps away. Mark says that he got up early, went to a solitary place, and he prayed. And the word that Mark uses that's translated as solitary place literally means wilderness place, or desolate place, or desert place. Now, Capernaum which is where these events here in Mark 1 are taking place, was actually not a wilderness place, geographically speaking. Capernaum was not a desert. And so Mark is not talking here about a particular physical location that Jesus went to. Instead, he's speaking symbolically. He's speaking symbolically. If we back up to the very beginning of this first chapter of Mark, we discover that Mark has already used the same word two other times. It's used in verse 3 when he quotes from Isaiah's prophecy about John the Baptist, the voice of one calling out from the desert or the wilderness. And then it's used again in verse 12 to describe the place where the Spirit sent Jesus to be tempted by Satan. He sent him out into the desert, into the wilderness. 
And so by the time that we come to verse 35, this term wilderness is, is already richly symbolic. Right? Not only does it evoke land that is barren and desolate and inhospitable, but it also evokes divine communication and solitude and temptation and encounters with the supernatural. And I think that Mark wants us to have all of that in mind as Jesus steps away here to the wilderness. That Jesus is, is deliberately stepping away from the crowds and the chaos and the gossip of Capernaum. He's deliberately stepping away from the clamoring for his gifts of healing. Deliberately stepping away from the busyness. And so the wilderness is representative really of the opposite of all of that. And there's also a sense in which I think by using that term, Mark wants us to see all of the busyness of Galilee as another sort of temptation as well. And Jesus steps away from all of that. He steps away to be alone with God. He steps away to pray, to connect with his father and to seek guidance about what he should do in light of the response that he's getting to his ministry. And we get a sense for just how different and how countercultural and how counterintuitive what Jesus is doing here actually is through what happens next. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And the verb here in the original language is actually quite a bit stronger than, than what the NIV gives us here. Literally, they pursued Jesus. They, they hunted him down. So Mark is communicating a sense of urgency here. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And so Jesus' disciples come looking for him, and when they find him, at the implication of that exclamation, everyone is looking for you, the implication is, what, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? Everyone is looking for you. People need you. What are you doing here? And the contrast between the disciples and, and the flurry of busyness that they represent and the space that Jesus has stepped into couldn't be sharper. And it's punctuated even further by Jesus' response in verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, it's interesting that Mark doesn't record the disciples' response to Jesus' reply there in verse 38. And I think the reason that he doesn't record it is because we already know what it is as readers. Because we have essentially the same response ourselves. Right? We're surprised by what Jesus says. Surprised that despite all of the need that is waiting for him in Capernaum, all the stuff that there is to do, and all of the success and the renown that comes along with doing it, Jesus opts to go somewhere else instead. And so Jesus steps away from all of the busyness, and it brings him clarity. Stepping away 
enables him to stay connected both to his father and to his mission. And so we see that Jesus intentionally observed a different rhythm. He intentionally observed a different rhythm. He intentionally stepped away from the busyness. And there's something very instructive for us, I think, in all of that. Something very instructive for us in what Jesus models here. Because we're busy people. Right? Busy people who are immersed in a culture of busyness. And so we go and we go and we go and we go from one thing to the next. And so much so that we almost become anesthetized to it. But what we don't often realize, what we don't often realize is that with every task accomplished, with every thing we check off of our to-do list, with every meeting, with every conversation, with every interaction, there's a cost. But what we don't often realize is the way that all of our busyness ultimately takes a toll on us. We don't often realize the toll that our busyness takes on us. And unless we step away, unless we rest and allow God to restore us and revitalize us, then we're actually dangerously busy because we're becoming depleted. Now, unless we rest and allow God to restore us and revitalize us, then we are actually dangerously busy because we're becoming depleted. And as we become depleted, we become diminished in all kinds of ways. But diminished in our capacity to feel emotions. Diminished in our capacity to engage and connect in our relationships. Diminished in our capacity to engage and connect with God. Diminished in our capacity to engage and connect with our mission as followers of Jesus, with the mission of embodying God's kingdom on earth. That being dangerously busy leaves us, uh, to borrow from the title of the documentary film that we watched earlier, Humankinda. And Jesus importantly reminds us that we need to step away, that we need rest, that we need space to be alone with God, space to hear his voice, space to be renewed and restored, space to be recentered. But boy, is that difficult to do. Right, the constant flow of our lives makes it difficult for us to step away from all of the stuff. To step away from our work, from our studies, from our kids, from our to-do lists, right, from our phones and tablets and screens and everything that they generate for us. And tonight we're starting a new series entitled Rest Rehearsal where over the next three weeks, we're gonna be looking together at the importance of practicing rest in the midst of our culture of busyness in order to rehearse who God is, rehearse who we are, and experience restoration. And as we've seen tonight, rehearsing rest really starts very simply with what Jesus models for us 
here in Mark chapter 1. It starts first and foremost with stepping away. It starts simply with stepping away. And so as we begin this series tonight, I want to give you a chance to do that here in this space. Just a few moments to step away and enter into God's presence. And so I want to invite you just to relax in your chair and close your eyes. And in the aftermath of Christmas, take a few deep breaths and feel the release of exhaling. And just allow yourself here for a moment to settle. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. as you sit in God's presence tonight, in what area or areas of your life do you feel busyness pressing you? Where do you feel the burden of busyness? Where do you feel weary? Where do you need to experience rest? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you those places. Listen to Jesus' invitation to rest one more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, it never ceases to amaze me 
how much you relate to us, how intimately you relate to us through the coming of your son Jesus and his experience on earth. And Father, we recognize the culture of busyness in which we're immersed. We recognize the push and the pace. And we thank you, Father, that you understand that and that also through Jesus' example, you show us the importance of stepping away. Father, would you give us courage to do that? Thank you for coming to us and showing us. Would you give us courage to come to you and find the rest and the restoration that you so much want us to experience. Forgive us, Father, for our busyness. Would you give us courage as we come to you?